what sorts of learning, development, growth opportunities are there for your teams? What sorts of engaging cultural programs do you have? There's just more of it now to try to entice people to come to you and try to help them build stronger ties to your organization. So what doesn't work anymore is kind of the hard-nosed, old-school style of management, which is, hey, if you don't like what I want you to do here, you can go work somewhere else. Well, before you even get that out of your mouth, they're already onto their next opportunity. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams, and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hammond, your host. On today's episode, we have Andrew Bartlow. Andrew's been in the human resources and talent management sphere for a really long time. In fact, over 25 years, he's worked with a lot of different sizes of organizations at different maturity stages and in many different industries. He's the co-author of Scaling for Success, People Priorities for High Growth Organizations. He also owns Series B Consulting, which helps businesses articulate their people strategy. We've had a lot of guests on over the years that are focused on the people side of the business. And I think that's by design. The people make our businesses. You all know that, but it's really complex and it's really difficult. So looking at that same thing through the different lens, almost like a crystal ball and coming at it from different angles, I think it's helpful. I think you're going to get a lot of this conversation with Andrew. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Andrew Bartlett. Have you ever tried online marketing before and weren't sure if it was working? Maybe your rep talked about all the impressive features and stats and said things were going great, but you didn't know how all that tied into raw new policies written. Well, that's not the case with DirectClicks. DirectClicks is the premier Google ads and SEO option exclusively for State Farm agents. Why? They're 100% resource oriented with an exclusivity guarantee. Every review call you have with your account manager focuses on what really matters to your business, and that's leads and call-ins received. Everything will get broken down to cost per lead received. By investing with direct clicks, you're going to free up time and energy to focus on what's most important in your agency and doing what it is you do best. This will be the best investment you make for your team by spending confidently and scaling your agency today with exclusive online marketing partner, Direct Clicks. Visit us at directclicksinc.com. Ambition is the first step towards success. It's time to level up your agency. And Coach P Consulting will help you do just that by using the same strategies he used to sell over 700 life insurance policies in 2021 alone. Now, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month, and you'll get a live look behind the scenes of his team training and an office that's performing at the highest level. There's a reason Coach P Consulting is the fastest growing coaching company for insurance agency owners in the country. Coach P will train your team alongside his own and show you the exact steps they're taking to achieve Chairman Circle, Exotic Travel, and Multi-Line Presence Club and be one of the few agents to be selected to have a third office. 
So whether your goal is to be at the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and the tactics to get there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level, and his strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpeakconsulting.com and get your first full month for free when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Andrew Bartlow, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, thank you. Really pleased to be with you. So we always start with background and origin story. I'd love to hear how people got to kind of where they are. So why don't you take our listeners on a little bit of a journey, your story and how you got to where you are. Oh, boy. So dating back three, four years as a consultant and advisor with venture and private equity companies. Prior to that, I spent about 25 years inside organizations, large and small, as a human resources leader from Fortune 50 to less than 50 employees. It was all HR and talent. And I got into the HR game growing up in East Peoria, Illinois, headquarters at the time of Caterpillar, the big Dow component. And they had a labor strike when I was in high school. And so that was a really formative experience around labor and management and figuring out how the company and the community and the workforce all came together. And so that drew me into this profession. You wrote the book, Scaling for Success, People, Priorities for High-Growth Organizations. I just want to ask you, what is your opinion of what is the difference between an organization and business that's wanting to grow versus high-growth? How would you define just high-growth? Yeah, the classic definition of hyper-growth is headcount is increasing by 50% or more over a 12-month period. That's hyper-growth. Now, do you technically need to be in hypergrowth for those principles to apply? No. But the point is recognizing and acknowledging the pace of change and evolution at your organization. When I think about high growth, I think about a lot of the hard skills, strategies. What's our marketing going to look like? What's the finance need to be? Are we going to be raising capital to do that? Where's the cash going to come from, et cetera? But obviously, you focus on the people side of the business. Why is that? So, I mean, it's obvious why people is important. You don't have a business if you don't have people. But how do you blend the people priorities with some of the more hard skills? Well, I approach the people part of the business from the hard elements. Payroll, facilities, incentives are typically 80% plus of your cost base Mm -hmm. as an organization you need to understand whether that's a good investment or not Mm -hmm. and how you get the most out of your team. You know, small differences in productivity and efficiency in using your human resources can make massive differences in terms of a company's ability to execute. So I base it around business impact rather than satisfaction. Employee satisfaction and happiness can help drive company productivity but not always. They're correlated, but not necessarily causative. I can see behind you, you've got a lot of books. You're an avid reader. I can say I am as well. And I know many of our listeners are. If you listen to podcasts, you probably read books and listen to books on tape. One of the things is we love to hear from how the big guys, the Googles and the really big companies, what are the things that they've employed? One of my favorite books is Radical Candor written by Kim Scott. And she was obviously an Apple and Google. And so the idea is that we can pull from the best practices of some of those big ones. But you actually say that you don't think there's really a one-size-fits-all HR strategy. Can you just speak to that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Talking about best practices, yeah, it's a common trap, really. The fact that Google 
or Facebook Meta, whatever they're calling themselves today, or some other giant successful organization has done something to be a small employer, 20 people, 200 people, even 2,000, because it worked for this giant organization is actually an indication that it might not work for you as an earlier stage organization. So some giant mature organization with high profit margins, experienced and tenured staff, a product that's so good, they often succeed in spite of themselves and their operating processes. Best practices are not always what's best for you. So I suggest apply a critical eye towards whatever that best practice is. I think back to holacracy at Zappos. And Tim Shea was famous for rolling out the the manager-less workplace, kind of harkens back to the self-directed work teams of manufacturing industrial businesses. And that worked reasonably well, other than the 20-30% resignations they had right away when it was announced. It worked reasonably well in their workplace, which was a giant call center, everybody doing pretty much the same job. You know, Zappos is a shoe sales company with a giant contact center based under one roof in Las Vegas. So if you have a lot of similarity in your workplace, you might be able to manage by metrics versus the human interaction and check-ins and feedback. If you're an organization that has employee dispersion all over the country, if you have some complexity and differences in what people are doing, you're going to have a tougher time just putting some dials on people's output and productivity. So you're going to want some method to check in and support and ensure people are working on the right things. When they need help, they get it. So I recall coming to work on a Monday. It's one of my last in-house gigs. Uh, the CEO had a dinner with Tony Shea, and he wanted to roll out holacracy in our workplace. And we were up to about 1,000 employees at the time and had 30 or 40 sites all over the country. And I used a lot of political and relationship capital talking them out of it and explaining in detail why it was risky for our organization to do something that otherwise was viewed as very progressive and a best practice from a really successful company. As I was hearing you talk, there's so many good ideas. There's so many good ideas, whether it's marketing, strategy, people, team, you can't implement all of them. And what's a good idea for Richard Branson is not a good idea for Bradley Hamner. It's just not. Yeah. A good investment opportunity for Bill Gates or somebody else is not necessarily a good investment opportunity for me. And I think that this kind of resonates with me, what you're saying around these other companies. So for our listeners regarding their people strategies, what is the thought process, the mindset that we need to have to read a book, hear an idea, even from a fellow colleague down the road that's even in a similar business? It doesn't have to be a New York Times bestselling book or a podcast, et cetera. But how do we think through, okay, is that actually the right strategy for me and my business? Sure. It's just a very simple logic screen of how similar is my workplace to this best practice example workplace? Are we in the same industry? Are we in the same geography? Are we about the same size, maturity level, manager practices, manager skills? Tough to know some of those things. A lot of those things will be obvious, though, if it's a giant company versus a tiny company. You just apply a simple logic screen of what do we have in common? Do we have some of the same issues and challenges? Do we have some of the same strengths and opportunities? Just don't get caught up chasing the bright, shiny object or 
flavor of the day before applying at least a little bit of a critical thinking screen. I think we're all kind of tired of talking about the COVID effect, but hiring people has always been difficult. It's challenging. It's the most important thing. The biggest asset that we have in our businesses are people. So it's always been difficult. It does seem like it has gotten a lot more difficult the last few years. Do you think that the problem has been on attracting the kind of people that we want and recruiting them and onboarding them or keeping some of the good people that we have? Well, cop-out answer, but it's both. You know, turnover, voluntary attrition is way, way up. I looked at a report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics recently, and we're at an extreme dislocation in terms of voluntary attrition rates in the marketplace. There's a big dip during COVID where everybody tried to, where more people stuck in their jobs. And then there's a snapback, but it was way more than a snapback if you look at the numbers. So record numbers on a percentage basis of the U.S. workforce quit their jobs over the past year. So yes, there's an attrition issue. Yes, there's also an attraction issue. I think the bar has been raised for employers in this age of better information for workers. So once upon a time, early days of the internet, you could post and pray. You could spray and pray. Go put your posting out on monster.com or whatever the old job sites were. I even forget their names. Nowadays, it's LinkedIn and Indeed you go to in most cases. And you'd get applications that you'd need to sift through and you'd work your funnel to figure out who's a great fit. Nowadays, there are 100 plus postings for every qualified applicant in certain job types. Whether that be in HR and recruiting, the hottest jobs in the marketplace used to be software engineers. Now it's skilled trades as well. I work with a company that tries to hire electricians in Florida. Not easy to find them. They've got loads of options. So I think as you get better information as a worker, you're able to make choices about when to stay, where to go, what your best alternatives are. And that's raised the bar for employers to be able to either offer more and get their story out. So how does a worker know that your option is better than where they're at or that your organization and what you're offering in terms of pay, benefits, experience, what have you, will be better than the alternatives? So the bar has been raised for employers to tell a better story about the whiff of what's in it for me. Why would somebody leave where you're at? to come to this organization? And frankly, why would somebody stay at your organization? Because they're getting hit from all angles from potential employers today. I think that's so true. I wanted to ask you, and you kind of shared some of those there about just different things in business. Eventually everything breaks, right? We can't just install anything into our companies and then think it's just going to stay that way for the next 10 years. It just doesn't work that way. Things are changing at such a fast pace. And obviously, our HR practices have to adopt that way. And I was curious about, you shared some of the things about how we need to now tell a better story and tell why people are staying. I kind of hear a cultural thing in there. But what are some of the things that you see now that are like old, outdated strategies that worked five years ago that just don't today or even 10? I'll start general and then we'll get more specific. I think in general, even though we've been in a 12-year bull market in the United States, as the power has shifted continually from employers to workers. So employers used to be able to put a job out and then take their pick from interested applicants. Now you have more gig workers, more employees that are taking greater control of their own choices and are more willing to change employers. So there's this broader power shift 
from employer to employee. And with that comes how workers are treated. With that comes what sorts of learning, development, growth opportunities are there for your teams? What sorts of engaging cultural programs do you have? There's just more of it now to try to entice people to come to you and try to help them build stronger ties to your organization. So what doesn't work anymore is kind of the hard-nosed, old-school style of management, which is, hey, if you don't like what I want you to do here, you can go work somewhere else. Well, before you even get that out of your mouth, they're already onto their next opportunity. So I think there's much more of a balance in terms of how you manage and treat your people directly relates in your ability to attract and retain more so than it ever did before. Do people recognize your agency brand? More importantly, do people care about your brand? At Relevant Marketing Solutions, we partner with you to clarify your message and deliver it through multiple marketing channels, creating a brand that inspires. With over 10 years experience working with insurance agencies, our team can help your agency not only get noticed, but start cultivating brand champions. From creating a logo to putting it on a coffee mug, we are your one-stop shop for all things marketing. We can even produce a video of you drinking out of your cool new mug. Visit us at relevantadvantage.com to learn more. And if you're a state farm agent, you can also find us at sfagentpromos.com and be sure to enter Club Capital at checkout for a special discount. That's Club Capital, lowercase and no spaces at checkout for a special discount. Relevant Marketing Solutions, helping you cultivate brand champions. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue, increase your bottom line, and better manage your taxes? Club Capital is here to help. Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agents in the country, providing monthly accounting, tax strategy, and CFO services. Way more than bookkeeping and your everyday run-of-the-mill tax prep, Club Capital is focused on providing financial and tax advisory services that help you plan and forecast your agency's performance. Their financial dashboards and agency forecasting tools help you better understand your agency's historical performance, create and measure future targets, and see how your agency compares to your peers around the country. Imagine what it would be like to understand the impact to your bottom line when deciding to hire a new employee or forecast the impact rate changes or commission rates will have on your business. With over $200 million in tracked annual revenue and $140 million in tracked annual expenses, Club Capital has the data and the team to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. They will help you turn that back office stress into the backbone of your agency's success by giving you the tools to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book a solution overview with one of our business consultants. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. I was trying to recall who on the podcast that I had before, and I feel like it was about a year ago, that they said that they feel like that being more open to recruit people who maybe have the raw skill sets, but don't have the experience in with what it is you're specifically hiring Uh, for and be willing to bring people in and then train and develop them because you have a great training and development program. What are your thoughts around that? So instead of trying to go after this person who's already been in the industry, et cetera, they're being courted by so many different competitors. Maybe they don't have the licensing now, but I'll go find someone who's never been in the industry. We'll get them licensed if that's a thing for you and be able to bring them up in the organization. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a big bet, frankly. It's 
So let's use the electricians as an example, right? If you need to be a licensed, certified, uh, skilled worker of any sort, and it's really hard to attract and retain this skilled worker, do you go build your own? Do you go create your own apprenticeship or training program? Maybe it's for software engineers, maybe it's for recruiters, whatever it is. Do you build or do you buy? So if you buy, that's expensive and you're in competition with the world for that skilled worker. If you build, you get a body, you get someone that can do something, hopefully, but you're investing a lot of resources, time, hard dollars, more so soft dollars. You're often duplicating your labor rates in some cases, like with an electrician, you're doing a ride along. So now you've got two people in a truck and you're paying both of them as one of them is trying to learn and the other is doing the work. So you can definitely increase your costs and eat into your margins in the short term as you're running a training and apprenticeship program. And maybe it pays off if that training and that apprenticeship generates loyalty where somebody's willing to stay with you and willing to work with you at a rate that's equal or lesser then you'd be hiring somebody in from the outside. I don't have the hard numbers on data for studies of what's driving intent to stay and loyalty through apprenticeship programs. Anecdotally, I hear it's worth it, but that would be something as a small business owner and employer to really be worth keeping tabs on. Am I getting what I'm paying for? How is this tracking in terms of our investment in a training program, given all the upfront costs and are people actually sticking around? Or are they just trading in that high quality training that you've provided them to go get a better job someplace else? So what's the break-even point for you? Understand that. It's not calculus, but you'll want to put the pen to paper to figure out how you can tweak it to make it work for you. You gave the example of the company that you worked for previously had a thousand employees. What one time they didn't have a thousand employees, they had 10 and then 50 and a hundred and so on and so forth. And when you're working with fast growth organizations, they are really scaling up the number of people that work for them. And so within a couple of years, the company work looks totally different than what it did originally. Well, that's great. But the person that was doing the hiring, they can be stuck on some of the things that worked in the past, but they don't necessarily work today. Can you just speak to that? And I guess I'm really kind of asking this underlying question around adopting change and being willing to change their thought process of not only how things have changed from COVID, but also as your team has gotten bigger, whether you've gone from two to 12, sure, or 12 to 1200. Well, famous quote on this topic, Marshall Goldsmith thinkers, 50 expert, wrote a whole book on the concept of what got you here won't take you there. What helped you be successful to a certain stage may actually hurt you going forward. There's a series of articles, Harvard Business Review, I think it's the second most downloaded article of all time from HBR, Larry Greiner, G-R-E-I-N-E-R. He originally put it in in the 60s or 70s, had a reprint in 98. I refer to this all the time. Evolution and revolution in organizations. It's dated for a number of different social reasons, but the concepts are still strong, which is as an organization grows in size and complexity, it has different types of challenges. And it's actually really predictable what those challenges are that you will encounter. You know, at early stages, it's just trying to get it off the ground, getting stuff done. And you have a small group generally of creative driven people. And so it's more of an execution focus. Can you focus and then can you execute on that? As you get a little larger, 
let's say 20, 25 people, there's a really interesting tipping point where as a founder or a senior leader of an organization about that size, it is no longer possible for you to be aware of all the things that everybody's working on. The personal relationships start to break down. You can't spend enough time. There's less trust. There's less firsthand knowledge. And that's when systems and processes and managers, a middle management layer starts to be installed. And just thinking through it logically, and boy, there's a ton of research that backs this up, things change when there's middle management. At roughly every layer of management, you get a seismic shift in the way things happen at an organization. So Mm -hmm. call it 2025, call it again around 100, you get another at least one more layer of management around that time. And so it just increases the need for processes and systems around how your organization operates. And so just being aware of that transition can help a lot of organizations prepare for it and adapt to it. I think it's really fascinating because what I'm hearing is we're applying it to people, but I hope our listeners pick up on this, is that there's almost a roadmap of things that you should and shouldn't be doing based on the size of your business, both in people and revenue. And there's probably a fairly close tie of, say, revenue per person. I mean, some company that does a million dollars is not going to have a hundred people working for them. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And so doing the right things at the right time. And it goes back to your comment earlier is to look at somebody down the road that's maybe in another industry or excuse me, in a similar industry, similar size. Okay. They have 500 people. They also have the aspirations of growing over the next couple of years to a thousand. Well, so do we, and we're in the same industry. Well, maybe I could actually look and see what they've done. Or somebody else has actually already done that. They went from 500 to 1,000, or if heck, they went from 10 to 30 people. How did they actually do that versus looking at what did Google do to go from 10,000 to however many Google has as an example? Yeah. Be aware of who your benchmarks are and choose them wisely. There's another example. Gusto is a well-known uh, yeah. human resources platform, and they're famous for the watermelon interview which is something along the lines of a founder would have a conversation, would basically have a cultural fit conversation with all new hires. And a founder was doing that up until 100 plus employees were hired. And then they had designated people hold these watermelon interviews. And is that a smart thing to do? It depends. It worked pretty well for Gusto. We think they've had a lot of success. They've grown a ton. They also had a pretty killer product that was way better than QuickBooks, that was far better customer service than ADP. You know, so they had a great product. Was that process something that helped in their success or actually got in their way? There's some debate on that. Are culture fit interviews really effective? Worked for Gusto. Does that mean it'll work for you? Make sure you apply some critical thinking. What is one thing that we haven't touched on regarding people's strategies for companies that are really wanting to grow that you feel like is really important we need to touch on? I think one of the core basics is have a plan. If you're small and things are rapidly evolving, there's often this resistance clarifying and communicating what your intentions are for Mm -hmm. headcount growth. When you hire a leader, there's this resistance to implementing process because you want to retain your secret sauce from your smaller days. And I'd say, look ahead, predict as well as you possibly can, have a plan. 
that's both how many people you're going to hire where and when, as well as what types of processes and systems you're going to implement to be successful. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to go hire McKinsey to do it for you. Just be really clear with what you're trying to accomplish, and that'll help your team execute on it. One of the largest challenges of a high-growth organization is dealing with chaos and lack of focus. So having a clear plan, both organizationally as well as a people plan, boy, that will solve a lot of problems proactively. Love that. All right, we're going to go into rapid-fire questions, but before we do that, People want to know about you, how they can connect with you, how you might be able to help them. Where would you point them to? Start on LinkedIn, Andrew Bartlow. Not a ton of us out there. I think one's an ag professor. I'm the other one. You can also find me on my consulting website, seriesbconsulting.com. And then I run an HR leader executive education program called People Leader Accelerator. So any of those places. And check out the book, Scaling for Success. That's great. We'll put all the links in our show notes to that, Andrew. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. What is the last book that you read? Last book I read, I am in the midst right now of a book called The Pilgrimage by Roberto, I'll mispronounce his last name. It's about a spiritual pilgrimage through Spain. And I'm walking the Camino de Santiago in July. So the book chronicles his journey about 100 years ago. The book you'd recommend the most to other business leaders and business owners? Oh boy, aside from my own, boy, that seems like a layup of a plug. I think Top Grading is an oldie but a goodie. Really helps small business owners think through how to screen and select people using an interview methodology that has more to it than just whether you worked at the same school or like each other. Your favorite quote? Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. That's good. I haven't heard that one before. Da Vinci. Favorite tech tool or app that you use every day? Oh, every day? Calendly. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. That has saved me so much time bouncing meeting times back and forth and getting Zoom links set up. People drop it right into my calendar. Thank goodness for Calendly. You could sit next to anyone on a 10-hour flight, dead or alive. Who would it be? Nobody. I would pay extra for an empty seat and just sleep as much as I could. <laughs> I've not gotten that answer before. I love it. That's really good. When you're not working, what do you love to do? I'm a tennis player. I maintain a little bit of competitiveness and You get the social, you get some physical exercise, you get to exercise some of those competitive juices. I try to play tennis a few times a week. I gotcha. See, that's what we talked before. I said, are you a golfer? And you said, no, he's a tennis player. That's right. That makes sense. I'm a terrible Uh, golfer. I'm a terrible tennis player. Uh, (laughs) I do love to play tennis. What'd you learn about yourself the most during the pandemic? Well, during the pandemic, I did a lot. I got a divorce during the pandemic from a single dad, sold a house, bought a house, started two businesses. I think the pandemic actually created opportunities in a lot of ways. So uh, maybe it's, there's silver linings to everything. What was the quote? Maybe it was Churchill that said, there's an opportunity in every great crisis. I think I learned that I can be an entrepreneur myself. Fill in the blank. 10 years ago, I wish somebody had told me this regarding people strategies in business. I wish somebody would have told me it's not how hard you work, it's what you're working on. That is so true. I agree with that. Last question is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. After all, what's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? Boy, that's a deep one. 
I think it would be around careers, and that is a career is a marathon. Think about it over the long term rather than the short term. Andrew, it's been great. Hope to have you back on in the future. Thanks so much. Every time that we do an episode, you guys know this, I try to come out with maybe two or three takeaways from that episode. Well, for this one, I have one, but that doesn't mean that it's any less impactful than others that maybe have three, because I think it's an important thing that we need to pull out. And that is whenever he talked about the shift going from employers to now employees, after we got off the podcast, he and I chatted for a few minutes and I shared with him, I felt like that that was so true that I've seen that with my own clients and in my businesses. And I think that that's, if we look at it from the lens of that's a problem, we can get fixated on that versus actually addressing it and seeing it as an opportunity. Well, others are going to be floundering in the workforce. I mean, look, all around the country, we've traveled to California a couple of times over the last couple of years from the Southeast. I've been in Puerto Rico recently and several other places, everybody is hiring, whether it is a fast food restaurant all the way up to more of a professional organization. Everybody seems like they're looking and just hanging a sign out saying that we're hiring. I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but the people that you want, those eight players that you want in your team, they're not going to be driving down the road looking for a sign that says we are hiring. And I think that we have to make this shift. I'm sure many of you are already seeing that. I know 10 years ago, let alone three years ago, but 10 years ago, I mean, it was a vastly different landscape in looking for people. You can make a post. And of course, back then there was Monster and I can't remember the other ones. Well, before LinkedIn indeed became kind of the leaders in the recruiting space, but you could make a post and you get hundreds of applicants. Now, it doesn't mean that all those applicants would be quality applicants, but I mean, the pool seems to have dried up so much more. And so I think that it's just a lot harder. It's just a lot harder now to go out and actually find really quality people. And so having a people strategy, you know, he is a book co-authored scaling for success, having a people strategy for your business and organization is so important. So that's my biggest takeaway. Love to hear what you thought. Speaking of people, it is so important to be able to attract a players, but once you get them, you've got to develop them. You've got to be able to develop the people. And that's exactly what Coach P is going to be able to help you to do. If you haven't already, go to coachpconsulting.com, reach out to him and ask him some questions. Make sure you mention that you heard about his coaching program on the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. You'll get a discount off of your first month. But if you know the importance and intuitively about developing and pouring in and training your team, but maybe you're busy, you've got other things, or maybe that's just not exactly your strong suit. Once you have your team get developed on a weekly, in fact, twice a week from somebody who's getting it done at the highest level. It's time to level up your agency in 2022. Go to coachpconsulting.com. I know several years ago, I would see these pins of a small business owner all around town. And this guy had been doing this for years, these little cheap pins. And he was sharing with me, that same person was actually sharing with me, you know, that used to be one of my biggest marketing efforts was just handing these pens out everywhere. And he said, you know, the thing about it is nobody wants those pens anymore. If they're going to use a pen, they're going to use a really nice pen. I know for me, I have the pens that I love to use. Well, when you're doing that and you're choosing quality products, or maybe you're wanting to create a video or have a special kind of mug that's going to make you stand out and become your own brand champion. 
there's really only one place that you need to go, and that is with Relevant Marketing Solutions. Go to their website is relevantadvantage.com. Relevant Marketing Solutions are also the owner of SF Agent Promos for your state firm agents out there may be familiar with that website. Their team is amazing. Make sure you go to relevantadvantage.com and let them know that you heard about them on the Club Capital Leadership Podcast for a special discount off your first order. Just this past week, I was having a conversation with Matt Jones, a founder of Direct Clicks, and he was sharing with me just the growth that they've had over the last several months, especially the end of 2021 going into 2022. And he was just sharing with me personally how much he cares about creating a quality product. Yes, they're a marketing agency. They're going to do their own marketing just like they are on this podcast. But if they didn't have a quality product that was getting results for their clients, they wouldn't be able to have the growth. Because with growth, yeah, it's got to be top of the funnel. You all know this. Listen to it. It's got to be top of the funnel, but you've got to be able to retain the customers you have now and their retention speaks for itself. And that's why they've been able to grow is because they're helping you grow through your online campaigns, whether it's Google SEO or pay-per-click. Go to directclicksinc.com. Once you start getting all those leads, converting them and turning that into sales, then those sales turn into commissions and revenue for your business. You got to be able to manage the money. And there's only one place to go. And that is with Club Capital. Club Capital provides monthly accounting, tax, and now CFO services specifically for insurance agency owners. What are you waiting for? Go to club.capital and book your no obligation demo. If it wasn't for Club Capital, our partners in this podcast wouldn't be able to serve all of you and have some amazing guests like Andrew. You know, they often say time is money. I don't agree with that at all. Time is infinitely more valuable than money. And so for you all to spend the time in your earbuds, whether you're hitting golf balls on the range, playing golf, cutting grass, or just driving to and from the office, I want you to know how much I appreciate you. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to this podcast, but we would ask, would you do one of two things for us? Or maybe both. Would you rate the podcast on Spotify or Apple iTunes, wherever you're listening to us? And we just share it just with one other friend. If this episode has been helpful to you, if you picked up just one thing, it would mean so much to me for you to be able to share it. Till next episode, everyone, lead well. Lead well.